It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendoza, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. After an update on the lava fire, the California report covers the Delta variant and the uptick in COVID positivity rates in the Golden State. After a brief look at regional news and weather, we'll hear Hospitality House's needs of the week, followed by Brave Hearts. This week, we listen to part two in a series with Carly Pacheco and Serena Cantway, both of Freed, the independent living center in Grass Valley. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We begin with the lava fire that's burning in Siskiyou County in far northern California. And joining us with the latest is Scott Rod of our partner station, Cap Radio, who's on the scene. Scott, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So what's the latest there? So the lava fire has grown overnight to just under 20,000 acres. And there was some activity between the town of Weed and also Shastina, Overnight, there's some fire activity picking up. Cal Fire says that it was fairly challenging for one of their contingency line, lines near Highway 97. However, they were able to, to hold it back for the most part overnight. And do we know if any homes have been lost or have there been fatalities or injuries? Cal Fire says there are no known structures that have been burned at this time. It's just been lots of vegetation. They are going to be sending out damage teams in the coming days. And so they'll be surveying what damage may have happened. But as of right now, there aren't any homes or structures that have been known to burn. And of course, we've all heard about the heat wave affecting so much of Northern California and and the rest of the far north. What are conditions like there for firefighters trying to fight this blaze? Well, it is very hot up here. There's still a heat advisory that is remaining in effect until Saturday night. And we're looking at temperatures ranging from the low 90s to possibly pushing up to over 100 degrees. And so the conditions certainly for the fires, those are you know favorable in terms of the fires potentially spreading, unfortunately. And as far as for firefighters go, uh, that's extremely challenging conditions to be fighting these blazes in. So fortunately, CAL FIRE says they seem to be optimistic in terms of the progress they've been making. There's hopes that the, the wind stays low. You know, Obviously, that'll be a wild card with any fire, but the heat remains a challenge for sure. And just finally, Scott, you've been doing this really extraordinary investigative work into how Governor Newsom has overstated the scope of California's fire mitigation work and controlled burns. Do any of those issues intersect with what we're seeing now with these blazes in Northern California? It actually does. Um, One of the priority projects that was part of Newsom's 35 big projects is up here at Lake Shastina. It's a fuel break. And our reporting showed that a number of the projects Newsom had overstated the work that had been done. On this fuel break, it's actually one that all of the work had been completed. It's a, a couple hundred acres worth of a fuel break along Highway 97 and some back roads. Now, the fire had crossed this fuel break, so the effectiveness of it to hold back the fire wasn't very successful. However, the purpose of the break was also to provide a safe uh, evacuation route for some of these communities that are tucked away near Lake Shastina. We're still looking into whether or not it was effective, if it was able to sort of provide a safe route as the fire was coming through the area. So more to come on that. All right. That is Scott Rod of Cab Radio. Scott, thanks so much. Thank you.
Let's turn to the pandemic. California's COVID-19 test positivity rate has inched up in recent weeks. With more, here's KQED's Laura Clivens. First off, this number is still very low. 1.3% of people getting tested for COVID are positive for the virus in the state. For some context, that rate hit 17% in January during our major winter surge. UC San Francisco epidemiologist George Rutherford says he's not overly concerned about the increase as hospitalizations are not up. But he is slightly worried, in part due to the Delta variant. We're not back to normal yet. We have this variant. We have a substantial number of people in the state who remain unvaccinated, and we need to to continue to exercise some caution going forward over this long holiday weekend. California officials say the state's healthcare system can handle these slight increases in COVID cases. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. And here's an increasingly important question, to mask or not to mask? Earlier this week, we told you that health officials in Los Angeles County recommended that everyone, no matter their COVID-19 vaccination status, wear masks indoors due to concerns about the Delta variant. The World Health Organization has now issued the same guidance, but the CDC and other health agencies here in California haven't followed suit. And Dr. Peter Katona, an infectious disease specialist at UCLA's School of Public Health, says, unfortunately, that's led to a lot of confusion. People don't know what to do. Should I go and wear a mask or not wear a mask? I'm outdoors, but I'm in a crowd of people. Do I need to wear a mask? It creates a certain amount of confusion. And also there's this reluctance to go backwards. You know, we're going in one direction. We're loosening up everything now, especially in California. Now we're going a step backwards, and people are very hesitant about that as well. The California report asked Dr. Katona if he would wear a mask indoors. I would be fine not wearing one, but at the same time, I want to set an example. And I want to do the right thing in terms of what people's perception is and not just the reality of it. But scientifically, I don't think I need to wear a mask indoors at this point. Since L.A. County's guidance came out, several other health experts have expressed a similar sentiment about wearing masks indoors. Dr. Katona says he believes while there is some confusion, this is all meant to protect people who aren't vaccinated yet. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. Starting today, Californians with outstanding student loans have new rights and protections. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer has more. A law signed last year creates an ombudsman to oversee the student loan industry and help borrowers navigate the new regulations aimed at holding loan companies accountable. Mike Pierce with the Student Borrower Protection Center says this is an important time to implement the law with the federal pause on student loan payments expiring at the end of September. California now, for the first time, has clear rules of the road in place to protect California student loan borrowers when the student loan industry inevitably screws this up. Experts estimate that 4 million Californians have student loans totaling $147 billion. The law is aimed at keeping predatory lenders at bay with lawsuits from the attorney general if necessary. 
For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. And that is the California Report for Thursday, July 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, have a great day. Nevada County Public Health reported today that the COVID-19 variant B.1.617.2, now known as the Delta variant, has been found in Nevada County. Six cases of the significantly more contagious variant were reported to Nevada County Public Health yesterday. The specimens were collected between June 3rd and June 15th, indicating that the Delta variant has been circulating in the county for at least four weeks. Patients with this variant were located on both the eastern and western sides of our county. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention noted that the Delta variant is now responsible for about one in every four new infections across the county. However, as the Delta variant is spread much more easily from person to person than the original virus, it is anticipated to become the most common variant in the United States. Experts are warning that the Delta variant is the greatest threat to the elimination of COVID-19. It's estimated to be the cause of 90% of COVID-19 cases in Britain and in India. The Delta variant is much more transmissible than the original coronavirus. Our best defense is to become immunized, says Nevada County Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman. Quote, if you have been previously infected with SARS-CoV-2, although you develop antibodies, you are not necessarily protected against the Delta variant. Public health urges all residents to become immunized as all the COVID-19 vaccines available in the United States continue to provide strong protection against all currently identified variants of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, including the Delta variant. Dr. Kellerman added, You are only partially protected against the Delta variant after one shot of the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine. Protection is much higher if you are fully vaccinated. Please, Complete the two-dose series as soon as possible, even if it's outside the recommended time frame, end quote. Full protection against the virus occurs two weeks after the second dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine or the single dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Those traveling this holiday weekend are urged to continue following all safety measures, including testing and quarantine guidelines. Do not travel if you are sick, have a recent positive COVID-19 test result, are in quarantine, or are waiting for the results of a COVID-19 test after being exposed to the virus. Nevada County Public Health says that now, more than ever, people should continue to follow public health guidance to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and all its variants. This includes hand washing, wearing a face covering in indoor public settings, public transportation, and businesses if unvaccinated, Vaccinated persons may choose to wear a face covering to offer additional protection, especially if they will be in crowded, poorly ventilated spaces. Vaccinations remain widely available throughout Nevada County, and to view a full list of vaccine sites, visit mynevadacounty.com slash getvaccinated. In regional weather, in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight, Mostly clear, with a low around 65. Friday will be sunny, with a high near 92. 
in Truckee and Lake Tahoe. Tonight, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 11 p.m., then mostly clear with a low around 52 degrees. On Friday, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m., then sunny with a high near 85. And for the valley, Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 60 degrees. Friday will be sunny with a high near 93. Next, we'll listen to Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, Betty Louise continues her conversation with Carly Pacheco and Serena Cantway about how they both arrived at Freed, the independent living center in Grass Valley. Hi, I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. The needs of the shelter for this week are blankets and sheets, twin size, new pillows, bottled water, men's t-shirts, sizes large, extra large, and double XL, women's t-shirts, sizes medium, large, and extra large, men and women's deodorant, duffel bags and backpacks, Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place, located in Brunswick Basin, past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Bravehearts. Enjoy this next episode of Bravehearts, which highlights the organization Freed. I'm speaking with Carly Pacheco and Serena Cantway. So the mission of Freed, because as I mentioned before we got on air, it's your services are extensive. The overall mission for Freed is really in a nutshell to ensure that everyone has the ability to live, work, and play where they want to and how they want to. So we know that historically people with disabilities are marginalized in a number of ways and often segregated from the general population. And that can happen, you know, years and years ago that happened because people with disabilities actually were removed from their local communities and they oftentimes lived in an institution. Now that happens more when people face barriers to access 
for things, right? So if there's a great sewing class I want to go to, but I use a wheelchair and it's in an upstairs building and there's no way for me to get there, I don't have access to that cool community resource that I'd be really interested in. If I am looking for housing, we're here to talk about housing today, and I need housing that doesn't have a step to get in because that's a barrier for me, that makes it a lot more hard for me to find housing where I want to live or in the community that I choose to live in. So all of our services are really designed to support people to get the resources they need, the knowledge that they need to live and work and play where they want to do so, but also to support community-wide in all of our efforts in making everything more inclusive. We want universal access and universal design. And if we can make our communities, which is a challenge in Nevada County, let's just be real. This is a historical community, right? With a lot of amazing old architecture and buildings. They weren't thought of for accessibility when they were built. But the more we can make our communities accessible to everyone, I think the richer our communities are, the better our society is. We all benefit from that. So so we work at the individual level to support people. but we also work at the local community level to support access as well as the statewide and national levels. We do advocacy there as well for full access. That's what we're looking for and Mm -hmm. diversity. Yeah, full access and diversity. Love that. Do you want to add anything on to that? I think Carly covered that. (laughs) Okay. She at least summed up a lot of the services in a nutshell. I guess each individual program deserves its own explanation at some point, but we don't have that much time. (laughs) (laughs) But each service does have its specific needs and hopefully successful outcomes. But in a nutshell, to put it all together, Carly pretty much sums it up that inclusion is what is important with every service. Clearly, your range of services is way beyond working with homeless people, but I know you also work with homeless people. So tell me how it works as the housing coordinator, Serena. So if... A homeless person comes in the door and says, I need a house, I want to get an apartment, or what do you see? Do people do that? Every day. Every day people come in and say. Every day people come in and say that housing is probably 75% of the issue of what I hear is going on at Freed. Most of the phone calls that I receive, everything from just applying for affordable, we'll say sustainable housing, to no income needing housing. There was a lot of things that we cover when it comes to someone who needs housing. There's a lot of different processes that we go through when we're talking about people and what they need for housing. We've developed housing packets. They include all the affordable housing listings that we have within Nevada County and some surrounding areas. We work closely with the regional housing authorities as far as their subsidized housing and their, they're called housing choice vouchers, but better known as Section 8. Then we coordinate efforts with Hospitality House, Home Team, Social Services, Adult Protective Services. There's a lot of coordinated efforts between Freed and many of the other organizations within the area that work on homelessness and chronic homelessness. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, 
Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. The playwright David Mamet once wrote a book called Writing in Restaurants, which I bought and remembered nothing about except that great title. It appealed to me because that's what I did when I began writing. Traipsed down the hill from my tiny house in a beach town to the only restaurant open for breakfast, ate a couple of poached eggs, and wrote poem after poem. Not everyone is willing to do this, but I'm the oldest of four and did my homework at the kitchen table, the square roots and export crops of Nicaragua, mingling with the sounds of family conversation, the dishwasher's gurgle, and Neil Young on the stereo. In my memory, it was always raining. If I stay home to write, my brain likes to remind me of all the things I should be doing instead, changing burned-out light bulbs, working on my taxes, and it won't settle down. The din of a restaurant, with its random comforting noises and nothing I need to worry about personally, helps me get my pen onto that blank page. The white noise of a busy place is perfectly balanced against the chatter in my head, and they cancel each other out. I once read an article about everyone's need to have a third place, not home and not work, where they could go and feel comfortable and accepted, a place to belong to, kind of like Tokyo's Midnight Diner, if you've discovered that show on Netflix during the pandemic. I think bars have functioned this way since the first tavern was invented, and libraries, donut shops, regular chess games in public parks. I like imagining people huddled around stoves in the general stores of the 19th century American West, warming themselves and swapping stories before heading back into their cold, hardworking lives. Or the barbershops of the 30s and 40s, like the one Wendell Berry conjured in his wonderful novel, Jaber Crow. A third place is where you catch up with your community, get the latest gossip, find someone to buy your pickup, or maybe even foment a little revolution. Everyone knows you won't be there on Thursdays because that's the night you play poker with your mom at the rest home. Writing in restaurants functions more like a fourth place for me. I want it warm and friendly, but I'm looking for somewhere my friends rarely go so I can actually get a little work done. In a small town, this isn't easy to find. And for a while, I was reduced to writing at the International House of Pancakes, which did nothing for my poetry. But I think I found my spot. The prices are low, the coffee's hot, and at the right time of day, I can take over a foretop and spread my notebooks out. If you should happen to see me there, do me a favor and look the other way. I'll catch up with you later, at our usual place, and don't worry, I'll tell you everything. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
That's our newscast for tonight, this first day of July, 2021. For their generous support, KVMR would like to thank Harmony Books of Nevada City. Locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30. Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Sweetland Garden Mercantile, downtown North San Juan, offering gardening and hardware supplies, now carrying patio furniture, also fishing recreation gear. Open 9 to 6, closed Sundays, 292-9000, sweetlandgm.com. Dig it. Coming up at 6.30, Mark Cunaberti brings us Money Matters, and at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a great evening. <laughs>